Hi, you guys. Welcome back to another episode of No BS with Briar and Sarah. I'm Sarah. And I'm Briar. How are you doing today, Briar? I'm doing great because I'm hanging out with you. How are you doing, boo? I feel the exact same way. I know. <laughs> I went so long without seeing you, and then like yesterday, it was just like, oh, I have energy again. <laughs> exactly. We're like reunited, and it feels so good. Feels so good. So last night, we uploaded our very first podcast, um, no editing or anything, and after re-listening to it, like, a hundred times, <laughs> there's a couple of things that I want to touch base on. Um, so I had made a little remark about my husband when I said, um, still a drinker, um, yay, and did, like, a sarcastic clap. Well, that was just, like, a joke. My husband is actually amazing. He doesn't drink the way that I ever drink. So, well, I mean, he did a long time ago, <laughs> but he has grown so much. He's not, he's not bad. That was, that was just a silly jab. Um, he actually has grown a lot through the years since I've met him and he just has endless patience with me because... Um, I'm a, I'm a little crazy. Um, another thing, when I was talking about quitting, and when I say that I can do it, you can too. I do absolutely mean that, but I do also mention that I quit cold turkey, which is potentially very dangerous. So that's not something I recommend. It's something you know, talk to a doctor about. I had to do that because weaning off of alcohol was unrealistic for someone like myself who just finds an excuse. To keep going. I also talked about Bartender Mom um, and how I followed her but never said where. She's on basically every social media platform. I uh, found her on TikTok, but there are lots of people locally that make their own chamoys. And, you know, if you need a chamoy plug, I've got you. And one thing was that I never finished my statement about being a queen of FOMO because I got distracted. But where that statement was going was that the silver lining around breaking sobriety for me was that I learned when I am drinking, the only thing I'm missing out on is real life. Like people still love you. You still have friends. And if you don't, it's because drinking is probably all that you had in common with them anyway. So, yeah, with that being said, we'll kind of move into uh, today's more specified topic of, you know, what is DPD? And we want to start off with, like, there will be some trigger warnings of emotional abuse, self-harm, and death. So if those things trigger you or you are uncomfortable with hearing that, you know, we suggest maybe not listening to this episode it's not all dark and bad. There is, you know, a lot of positivity, but we are going to kind of touch base on some difficult topics for sure. Definitely. We have to discuss them to explain, like, how we got here. Exactly. So, Briar, do you want to tell us what BPD is for you and for me and everyone else? 
Absolutely. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go ahead and start off with basically the textbook um, definition of what BPD is. So it is not a choice. It's a mental health disorder that can be managed. Uh, it's a hyperbolic temperament, abandonment issues, uh, real or imagined can come from it. It makes, uh, it makes it difficult to handle emotions, honestly, just from a day-to-day basis. Um, there's a lot of black and white thinking, which unfortunately just comes with it. And, um, and some other like things that are red flags is the impulsivity and recklessness, whether it be, you know, going off the handle on drinking or partying or having a lot of sexual partners or just anything like that that you wouldn't normally do when you're not having those hyperbolic temperament moments. Um, It is difficult to be in relationships with people that have it. Um, Unfortunately, we're big lovers, but we have a lot of issues that come with it because we, we kind of create these scenarios in our head that, you know, make it difficult to do it. Um, we do have a lot of uncertainty with ourselves uh, towards oneself and others, including extremes of idealization to devaluation as well. Right. So it's very tumultuous. Like you can just absolutely love someone and like praise them, like worship them. It's almost like an obsession, basically. Yes. And then just think like they're absolutely the scum of the earth. so so that's difficult you know but i mean we feel it towards others and you know sometimes we feel it towards ourselves exactly and there's um there's a favorite person aspect of bpd as well um that can be very very toxic and you just find a person and that is your favorite person um the reason why that can be bad is because your favorite person sometimes and very oftentimes a person that's not good for you at all i've definitely had favorite people that were oh yes definitely i have an issue with hyper fixating on anybody that shows me like any form of like love or affection or attention and it sounds like very silly and very you know fifth grade textbook crush but it's almost like it's just a impulsivity of like Oh my God, I love them. Like I want to do anything for them. And and it's just, it's absurd. And you kind of lose yourself in those moments because you give every single aspect of yourself to that person. And it's not always like received back. And it's also unrealistic to just expect it. Like you can't, it's just not natural to do that. Like, you know, sometimes things are going to be 50, 50, sometimes it's to be like 70, 30. And for people with like BPD, we want that, 100% attention exactly back the same way that we give it to you. And it's honestly unfair to the other person and it's unfair to us in the end as well. Absolutely. And part of the, like you said uh, it being unrealistic, uh, I feel that so hard because it's like I'd create a personality or, well, not a personality, but like a persona for these people that they don't even have for themselves. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's like a movie star, like a rock star. And like, they're not, but in my head they are. And I would do anything for them. And it's like when they don't reach that, like idolized like standard that we created for them, it just, it's, it's a downward spiral for sure. Absolutely. And then of course, unnecessarily uh, self-harm is a big part of it and that can be 
any kind of self-harm. So when I was younger, I know that for me specifically, it was like self-mutilation. And then whenever I got older, it was binge drinking uh, for sure. Absolutely. I definitely went through, you know, prior to my diagnosis and really seeking out counsel, you know, high school is hard for everybody for sure. But that was definitely a rough time in my life where I had self-loathing. I wasn't close to my parents, like, and self-harm was one of my like outlets where I felt that I had control over at least one aspect of my life where everything else was just kind of spiraling exactly. and I felt out of control. Like that was the one thing that I was like, I have control of this. And it made me feel better in the moment, you know, due to like your body chemically producing opium whenever you cut. That's why a lot of people do that or people get really addicted to piercings and tattoos because it does like, it sounds very weird, but it feels good, you know, in the moment. But then later, like, you realize what happened and it hurts physically. It hurts you like mentally and emotionally, but it's just unfortunately one of those things that kind of comes along with the disorder for sure. Absolutely. Um, there's also just like feel, uh, I mean, you, with the black and white thinking gets so much of like feeling everything and then feeling completely empty, like a shell of a human, like just, feeling like, am I even real sometimes, which I Absolutely. don't know. But I think for me, I struggle with all of those things, but the biggest is the rage. <laughs> Just the completely oh my goodness. Yes. inappropriate, unnecessary anger that is like a, a vivid, bright, red rage. Oh yeah. The best way I said it earlier the best way I explain this rage is that scene in Finding Nemo when uh, the main shark, Bruce, has that, like, smells the blood and yeah. his eyes go completely black. And it's like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like, it just, it's a flip. And it's almost like a blackout rage to where, like, you're coherent enough to react in these basically psychotic episodes. And then afterwards, when you finally like kind of come out of that moment, you you almost like don't remember really what was said or what happened. But obviously the other person that was the the victim of that rage definitely remembers. And it's really hard to come back from that. You know, like you say things that you don't mean, obviously. Oh, yeah. And it's just, it, it, like, it's hard. Yeah. It like feels good to really going. It. Yes. And as... As much as you know that you're overreacting and you're saying you can't crazy stop. shit, you can't stop. And it feels good, like, letting it out. And it's horrific because afterwards it feels horrible. Um, but Breyer actually has this really cool book called The per uh, Borderline Personality Disorder Workbook. And it's by Daniel J. Fox, PhD. Um, I just looked at it for the first time a few minutes ago and I immediately added it to my Amazon cart. It was like <laughs> 16 bucks and some change. Also, that's the whole thing with BPD, impulsive spending. <laughs> oh my goodness. We're the worst at it. <laughs> We're so bad. Yes. Uh, um, but you know, with BPD, there's no official cure for it. Like a uh, medication 
or anything. Um, but it's just about, about developing your quality of life overall with, you know, therapy, counseling. Of course, you can be on certain medications for the kind of kind of hone in on it for sure. And it's not a cure all for sure. But there's definitely a lot of coping mechanisms. And, you know, I've been working on, uh, it's called a DBT, which is dialectal behavioral therapy with my counselor. And, you know, she warned me, it's very difficult. It's very hard. And it is almost like a lifelong thing that you have to work on. And maybe later on in some other episode, I'll kind of go in into that detailing, but it is, it's really helped me and just the way that I view things and how I react to things, it, it really makes you stop yes. and okay. Like why am I overreacting to this? Like why, or why am I lying to myself that nobody loves me? And you, you know, you write out reasons why this is such an absurd idea that's in your head and why you have no reason to be overreacting to it. And again, it's difficult, but it's definitely been one that's really, really helped me within the last few months of just changing my idea of how I view myself, how I view borderline personality disorder. And I mean, yeah, so there's, I mean, there's definitely ways to cope. There's ways to change things. There's, you know, things to get rid of in, of your life. You know, for us, alcohol was number one for sure. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, it it is possible to get better from it. You will always struggle with it. It's just a chemical imbalance in your brain, but you know, there is a silver lining and hope to it. You know, you can get better from it and live a healthy life for sure. And we're extremely passionate people. So that's like a a good part about it is like, Oh yeah. I mean, sometimes it can be really bad. Like when the passion is about something bad, but when it's about something good, it's just, I don't know. We're very, it's like a great strength, but also one of our biggest weaknesses at the same time. And it's learning how to use that extreme passion in the proper ways, you know, for good. Yeah, definitely. So, okay. Um, do you remember or know how you developed it or whenever you learned that you had borderline personality disorder? So I wasn't diagnosed well into like, honestly, until like 2019 that I was properly like diagnosed. Um, now knowing what I have and the symptoms of it, I look back at my childhood and remember these like weird moments and like, I just remember these moments of of my childhood where I would have bits of rage or, you know, my first like time I ever thought of, you know, again, trigger warning of hurting myself was at the age of four, which is very abnormal. That's not, you know, children don't think about that. Children don't think about riding their bikes or playing princess and unicorns and things like that. Right. So now knowing what I have and seeing all these past experiences and like thoughts and whatever, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, I definitely had issues in high school where I, you know, self-harm and things like that. And I would saw a counselor and it was okay. And yada, 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 kind of saw counselors throughout the years. And when I was, when I was first diagnosed, I was diagnosed with, um, oh my goodness, I just went blank. Uh, bipolar. bipolar, bipolar two disorder. And I was put on a medication called Seroquel. 
horrible. It made me feel like a zombie. Didn't like it. So I got off that cold turkey. You know, I had some repercussions with that, obviously. And like Sarah said earlier, like getting off medication, cold turkey is really, really dangerous. But I'm also, I'm not stupid, but I'm definitely dumb sometimes. <laughs> um, but fortunately, same, same girl, same. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> but fortunately, whenever I moved to Denver, I had to get a new psychiatrist and he was amazing. I wish I could remember his name, but, um, he pulled out, you know, the MDS five, like textbook of, you know, mental health disorders and re-diagnosed me with borderline personality disorder and really talked to me about what it is. Cause my first, my first thing I said was like, am I like, am I crazy? Like, you know, like yeah. that textbook Same. insanity person. And he said, no, he was like, honestly, like at least like 80% of people in the United States have it. And probably at least 50%, if not more, live with it undiagnosed, which is honestly terrifying. But, you know, he really explained, like, the medications that I was taking, the ones I don't need to be on. And he really made, like, a, a key point in asking me, you know, do you know where most of your serotonin lies? And obviously, everybody thinks, oh, it's in your head, which it's not. 80% uh, of your serotonin is in your gut, and mm. talked about, you know, how important your gut health is. And yeah, I didn't either. I was really surprised. Yeah. And so that, I mean, everybody knows like gut health, gut health, but it really is like your gut is like the brain of your entire body and it controls your nervous system. It controls, it controls your mental health. It controls everything. And so I really started like jumping on board with, you know, getting my gut health right. And once that started, it made a significant difference. Um, but now, like fast forward a few years, I saw a new psychiatrist in order to get some, like a renewal of some prescriptions. And the lady that I was talking to, she said a lot of people that have BPD also have bipolar. And she was telling me, you know, like my manic episodes and things like that, that are very similar to BPD are also key factors in bipolar. And I know my family has a history of bipolar. My dad is definitely one of them. So it kind of sucked to hear that not only did I have BPD, but I for sure also had bipolar as well. And when hearing those kind of things, it can be very daunting in the beginning. And like, you have a sense of hopelessness. Yeah. But I can tell you right now that there is hope, there is a silver lining, but it is a lot of work and it takes every aspect of your being to get there. It is climbing, it's climbing a mountain, honestly. Yeah. But, you know, I have Sarah, thank God, like who I can talk to with no matter what, like silly little things that upset me or whatever. And I'll be the first one to tell you, like, she puts my ass in check when I'm overreacting. <laughs> and those are the friends and you kind of – she puts mine in too. Exactly. Those are the friends you – like, those are the kinds of friends you definitely need. And, you know, like, I do have a support system. But biggest, like, biggest, like, struggle is, like, having to be open and honest with it because it can be embarrassing. And the more that I've lived with this, the more that I've, you know, worked through, you know, therapy and other things like that, the more I'm, like, I – you don't need to be ashamed of it. You don't like no one should ever shame you for being on medication or mental health because I promise you so many people have it. Like you are not the so only many. one. You're not like some freak in society. Like you're normal. You're probably more normal than half the people. Um, 
But honestly, like having that support system to really help you, it, it makes a difference for sure, for sure. Definitely. So do you feel like your borderline was more nature versus nurture then? I think mine was definitely I think I think it was just I was just born with a chemical imbalance. I mean, I, I will say that there are some factors like my parents fought a lot a lot when I was a child and I know like that definitely affected a lot of things for me. Um so I will say like nurture can like it plays probably about a 30% role in it. I mean, I was always a very loved kid. My parents never hurt me. You know, like I grew up in a very loving like household, my cousins, everybody wasn't, you know, I was never like abused or anything like that. Thank God. Um, But I think just growing up in a household environment where your parents are screaming and fighting. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, as a child, like I, I had to pick and choose, you know, which parent was more hurt by the fight that I had to go console and no child should go through that. And my parents have both, you know. Now that they're older and wiser, they've apologized to me and have understood like the long lasting effects of that kind of trauma. And it breaks my heart for them as well, because when you're a parent, especially brand new, you don't know what you're doing, you know, and I've learned to kind of cut my parents and just parents in general a break because you, you don't know, you don't know what you're doing. And, you know, luckily my parents, became self-aware of that. And I was also very open and talking to them about those things once I started therapy again. And yeah, I was just kind of a tearjerker for both sides and it sucks, but I will say, you know, my parents still love me. They love each other. And, you know, you grow as a person, you, sometimes it takes time to change the bad qualities in your life, but you can do it. It's not easy, but you can definitely do it if you put your mind to it for sure. Absolutely. What about you? What about your, you know, I know last episode you said that you were diagnosed pretty early on. I was. I was diagnosed as a teen. I had been hospitalized for some poor decision making um, that I'll get into (laughs) another time. But um, then like immediately had to get into uh, psychiatry and things like that and was um, diagnosed, um, by my doctor and it was pretty spot on. And I know that they say if you're under 18, like it's kind of a, it's kind of a gamble, but it's something that I dealt with from a young age and even until now. So, you know, I think that was definitely the correct, uh, diagnosis, but I feel like Mine personally was more of nurture than nature. Uh, I could be wrong, but I definitely grew up. So they say that. um, Sorry, I'm blinking out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They say that growing up in, in an invalidating household is a very big way to make make a child have insecurities, um, things like that. And my, my childhood was very, very invalidating. Um, my mother is amazing. I think she just, she was learning too. It's all forgiveness there. But 
um, I had a stepfather and he was very emotionally abusive and I was a, a small child and he would tell me things about my appearance. Briar just kissed me on the cheek. But I was a very young child and uh, yeah, he would just tell me horrible uh, things. Me and my sister, my older sister, we weren't his, his children, obviously, um, about our parents. Um, he made me feel bad about my own father. My own father was um, in prison. He robbed um, a liquor store and whenever he was leaving it, uh, sped off, ran a stop sign and hit some mun. And there was, he was intoxicated and he had cocaine in his system. So I think he uh, had like intoxicated manslaughter, vehicular manslaughter or something like that. And so he would like, my stepfather would compare me to him. And um, when I didn't even know him, you know, and he would do, he, he obviously had his own demons. He would do the strangest things like throw, uh, he would throw mine and my sister's clothes like outside or in the dumpster or our furniture and yeah, just cool. the craziest things. Yes. Just a, a horrible, horrible person to uh, be around children. It blows my mind now that I'm past the age that he was whenever he met me to think of treating any child it like that a child like that you're gone at all so yeah shout out to him um, <laughs> and you i know, fuck you yeah so i think growing up with him was so difficult and one of my coping mechanisms was that i was going to and it was a very unhealthy coping mechanism was that I could hurt or hate myself more than he ever could because, or than, or than anyone ever could, because then I could feel invincible. Like you, you can't hate me more than I hate me. Nothing you say will hurt my feelings anymore. Sense of control. In right. Situation. And that's absolutely not the right way to go about things, but I was, literally a child. So that's, that's where that picked up. And yeah. Um, as far as, so how did, how do you think that affected you? You know, obviously as a child and it's like, that's a key time of brain development. I, you know, we spoke earlier before, before we like started this podcast that, you know, mental abuse like that they've studied can, really literally like read chemically balance your brain like and change it and it's almost it, it's it basically brain damages like you especially in those key times of brain development like how do you think that from that kind of transpired into you know teenage years and into adulthood like yeah if so, that's not too personal to no ask. no not at all um i think it affected me because I was in such like a deep kind of a deep state of uh, denial of well not necessarily denial it was just it was my norm so for the longest time I didn't think that my behaviors were because of him or what was happening I thought it was me was I who thought you are yes yeah. 
Um, and then again, with the comparisons to my father, like being just kind of woven from the same cloth as him. And like, I was born bad and I was, I was, I was born rotten. I was just one of the bad ones, one of the freak shows, one of the nobodies. And it, it really never, it sounds crazy now talking about it, but it never really occurred to me that that was the reason why I was acting out the way that I was. And it definitely uh, affected my brain in a lot of ways, um, especially like pushing so much of it out of my mind because, you know, you do that with trauma. So Suppression. there's so much of it that I don't even remember that I should be able to remember, but I just, I don't. Um, well, that's a, that's a coping mechanism. To, it's like a safety coping mechanism, especially as a child. It keeps you safe. Definitely. Um, there is this one time I remember crazy motherfucker. Actually, never mind. I'm going to edit this out. We'll save this for another time, but uh, yeah, that's, um, I love you. I love you. And nobody should have to go through that. You were, I can promise you, no matter what he said to you or how he made you feel, I know that you know now, but somebody else, you are not like that. You're the most kind and loving person. And it's crazy how going through that, like, could have defined, like, he could have defined you in a very different way, but you being the strong person that you are just initially that you're just like innately born this tough, bad bitch that you chose a different route in, you know, like, I know we both struggle with certain things like that, um, but we're about to get cut off. So we're going to put a pin in this and go to the next. <laughs> okay. So what I was saying is, you know, like you you chose to do something different with your life. And I know you've, you've made comments of how like you're never going to be like your stepdad and you're not going to let him define you that way. And I think that shows volumes of who you are as a person. And I mean, yeah, sometimes we still struggle with those kinds of things, but you're just, I just want you to know you're very tough. And I love the, I, I know I've only barely known you for like two years, but I just love the person who you are and you've become knowing like your background. And I think you should be very proud of that for sure. Thank for sure. you. Of course. Thank you. And yeah, that was a thing like, uh, because I did see, I actually do remember uh, noticing parts of myself that were similar to his, uh, just like a level of cruelty whenever I would get upset and just pretty bad things like that. He was just a very, very cruel, cold person and that I was recognizing these patterns in myself and knowing that it wasn't right. Um, and then just trying my best to choose to not go down that route because I thought, oh my God, I'm becoming my biggest bully, like the worst person yeah. I've ever known. And so, you know, that was a difficult thing, but it's, it made me who I am. Exactly. And I think exactly it, uh, it's crazy how much it affected me as a child. Like, but I think about if I were to treat a child that way now, not only how 
horrifying that is, but how fucking embarrassing that is. Like, literally, who the fuck talks to a kid that way or it's treats so them embarrassing. that way? Evil people so, do. Li- literally, like evil. Like, didn't try to help himself. Just, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what he's doing nowadays. I don't know his life. But don't know. Don't care. Don't We're past know, that. Don't We're care. living our best lives and we are healing and on our self-love journey. Aren't we, girl? That is exactly right. That it, is exactly right. Um. So how do we manage our borderline personality disorder? So definitely for sure, like... For a long time, I wanted to get on medication. My mom was very anti, and I definitely understand, like, pharmaceutical companies and just pharmaceuticals in general, like, they can be good, they can be bad. Like, it, it really is just, like, a flip of the coin. Um, I will say that I have been on multiple antidepressants, anti-anxiety, um, some that were freaking horrible. Like, oh, my God, like, woof is all I can say. And then, you know... I've been on Lexapro since about 2016, and it has worked wonders for me. Um, but I will say, like I said earlier, pharmaceuticals like are not the fix-all. It's not. It really does take you as a person to be like tenacious and choosing what is right for your life and breaking the bad habits. And you know, again, like like last episode, we talked about drinking and. You know, you are not supposed to drink on these things. Obviously, people are dumb. Me being one of them. Um, I'm very <laughs> stubborn, for sure. Sagittarius, Same. you know, it goes. Oh, well. <laughs> but um, honestly, like, once I really decided that, like, I just didn't want to feel that way anymore. I didn't want to act like that anymore. I didn't want to – I didn't want to be a bitch. Like, yeah. I was just being a bitch for no reason. And people know me as, like, this happy-go-lucky, like, loving person – but then, like, not only was I being ugly to others, like, I was being so hateful to myself. And it was just, like, Same. dragging me down in this hole that I was digging myself into. And, like, honestly, once I quit drinking, like, the first time, great. But now, that like, this time I've really solidified that, like, determination of I'm – this is, like, a lifelong goal. Like, that's the point. Like, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. Um, but truly, truly, like, not having the alcohol in my system is – it's crazy how quickly and significantly that it has changed my my outlook on life, my the view how I view myself and others, and it's really kind of made this this journey of BPD and kind of overcoming it easier. And you know, I mean, I, we find way me and Sarah hang out, and you know it's you kind of have to find other outlets that you know obviously don't involve like drugs or alcohol and things like that and keeping yourself busy but i will say like in the beginning you're going to be very lonely you need to kind of be alone with your thoughts and that's the most terrifying and difficult thing but being alone with your thoughts and really processing like okay like what are we going to do to change what are we going to do to better ourselves like you just find hobbies you find different things to do and I mean, honestly, like that's the key is you got to stay busy, even though it's hard. Like there's days I do not want to get out of bed. I don't, I would rather lay in bed all day. I don't want to wash my hair. I don't want to change my clothes. Like, but if you don't do the hard things now, you're never going to get better. I mean, even getting into the habit of making my bed every day sounds so insignificant, but it really does help and just, 
having a routine is for me is key. I have to have a routine in order to kind of keep my sanity, honestly, you know? Absolutely. What about you? Uh, I would say same. I think that like my friendship with you has helped me so much because I'll do the same thing. Like I would just like come home from work and then just like lay in bed and literally like not move and like know that I need to do laundry or I need to clean and I hate my house because it's dirty, but I'm not going to get up and do anything about it. The motivation is just not there. Not there. Um, So being friends with you and just like even just getting up to come over to your house just to get moving, to get out in the sun or go to Soda Shack (laughs) or whatever we're going to do, go to Five Below. Um, I spend too much money. (laughs) Yeah. Just like going to do things instead of staying put. Um, I'm also a huge, I love to write. I have like a gazillion journals and (laughs) it's kind of a problem, but you know, I've had way bigger problems. So uh, it's okay. I love to write in my journals. I write uh, poetry just about every single day. A little artist. Oh, thank you. A little poet. (laughs) And um, now I am working more on my health because I've recently come into some actual health issues. Um, And it's crazy how eating better. I mean, any doctor will tell you for any illness that you have at all, like just, you know, diet and exercise. But just within these past couple of weeks that I have been working on my dieting, not like a diet, but on the food you put in your body. body. Yeah. How much that helps uh, my vitamins and of course, you know, I am on medication as well, as I mentioned last time. But, you know, you don't always have to be. It's to uh, different strokes, different folks, to mm-hmm. each their own. Oh, and we're also huge into podcasts. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Yes, we are. So Briar put me on to Mary's Cup of Tea, mm-hmm. which is a self-love podcast. Great. You need to follow her if you don't. Yeah, because it's good for anyone. Oh, yeah. And then From Borderline to Beautiful, which is obviously for uh, people with borderline personality disorder. And that show has just made me feel like I'm, like, called out. Oh, my God. I like, know. I'm like, lower team. your voice, ma'am. But she's great. <laughs> I she's love great. her. I love yes, her. But she really, like, she's saying, ex- like, these things that I've, like, never really been able to put into words. And I'm like... Oh my uh-huh. gosh, I've done and thought that like exact same thing. She really does. She pinpoints everything in her episodes. Yes. And then for me, um, a podcast that I listen to is Seltzer Squad. And that is, it's a it's a sober podcast. But of course that uh, covers mental health as well. Because, you know, if you're- It goes hand in hand for yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. They go hand in hand. And the girls on there are really I need to start listening inspirational. To oh, you'll love them. They're yeah. so much fun. Oh, yeah. Well, so I think we pretty much kind of covered everything to an extent of like, again, this episode's more about, you know, BBD, the effects of it, you know, coping mechanisms of it, you know, things that kind of ignite the flame that you do have control over. Right. How so, it affected us. How BBD and like our drinking and our self-harm and all that, it all just goes hand in hand. Absolutely. But yeah, it was a little bit heavier and not as 
fun and lighthearted <laughs> like our first one. I almost cried. I kind of stopped being able to talk for a second. <laughs> but I think that just means like, like, let's end it on a light note. So, Briar, what was the best thing to happen to you today? Oh, my goodness. Well, one <laughs> was being woken up very frantically by Sarah calling me <laughs> twice because she didn't answer the first twice, time because I'm a heavy sleeper girl if I'm out I'm out like a rock I'm like talking shit like her phone goes to voicemail and then I'm like well I know this bitch is asleep if she didn't answer the first <laughs> first time well and I'm like talking shit at the bar and then she's like hello wow. I'm like oh hey what are you doing girl <laughs> and it was the reason being is you know today Happy 420 to all of those, whatever, you know, no big deal. Um, but at the bar that we work at, they were doing um, uh, donut burgers. And, of course, my beautiful, thick, fat-ass pH fat was definitely <laughs> going to get one of them mugs. Period. Period. And it oh, was almost over God. for brunch. And I was like, I got to go. I got to go. So that was delicious. And then, obviously, one, just, like, being with you in general, always just, like, Gives me like the just like life and a new breath, fresh of air. Yeah. And then we did a little shopping at Five Below. And then we're here at the house and hanging out and working on this episode. Yeah. What about you? I was gonna say the exact same thing. Like the, <laughs> the burger. I fucking love the oh burger. Oh my god, it's so okay. good. Because the bun is a, a donut with a pink, pink frosting oh god, so and nice. Sprinkles, and that's my first of all my number one favorite donut. Oh my god, me too. Oh god, no way. Yes, pink sprinkle donut with chocolate milk, girl. Oh my god, don't so I love it. So that's the bun. I know I was just talking about like diet, but hey, I only had like three bites of this burger. And you know what? You can treat yourself. Like <laughs> treat you, yourself. You just can take care of yourself. You know, eat healthy, but you're allowed to splurge. You only live one life. Yellow, okay? Exactly. <laughs> and it's not, yeah, it's not about like uh, weight loss. It's about. Um, so, like, maintaining my blood sugar. Um, yeah. So, but, yeah. So, that burger Ooh. was, uh, it was our chef and one of our good friend, Halen's idea. And then our other chef and good friend, Anna, made it. It was fucking delicious. So good. So good. It was, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm like, I want it again. I want it right now. I just want a pink sprinkle donut at this point. <laughs> <laughs> and we added an egg to it. So, it's like a bacon cheeseburger. Oh, and we added so an good. egg. So good. So, like, savory. But also, yeah, same thing. Just spending time with Briar. It's always such a... So uplifting with it you. It is. It is so uplifting. It's just, like, she's she's an energy giver to me. <laughs> there are people that are so oh, energy yeah. draining and people that are energy giving. And Briar gives me energy. She does not drain me of it. And girl, because I got so much energy to give, too. That's right. <laughs> I'm like, give it to me. Because, girl, let me tell you what. I was falling asleep before we hung out. Give me that serotonin. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. But um, uh, after this podcast, if there's any, you know, questions, comments, concerns about, you know, what we have talked about or things that, you know, we didn't talk about, um, definitely, you know, feel free to email us or whatever. Uh, again, this is a safe space for anybody to come and open up, you know, and there's going to be people that listen to our podcast and may not like it or disagree. And, you know, we just kindly ask that if you, you know, have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. Like, you know, what they teach you in kindergarten. Right. You know, like, don't let us remind you um, that we do have a rage. So, exactly. <laughs> we are not ones to be trifled. Like, we're the nicest people, but don't, don't, don't be messing with us because we're not to be trifled with. <laughs> right. 
And I, I think a, a huge part of why I wanted to start this is um, helping others, that aspect, because I know how lonely that it can feel to struggle with these thoughts and feelings. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm not alone. I, not. I learned that through you and through all of my other friendships and things that we just finally start admitting to each other whenever we start talking about it. But, yep. you know, we don't talk about it enough. So Speaking you more should know yeah, that you're never, ever alone. So, you know, hit us up if you want to. And until next time. Don't BS yourself and live your best life because you, you deserve, deserve it. it.